This is Kev Millar from the 2004 World Champion Boston Red Sox, and you're listening to Boston's Big Three Podcast, presented by Ride the Wave Media. Everybody, Spike King, Joe Stafford, coming back to you here on another episode of Boston's Big Three. I believe this is episode 37. It's day two of the Combine. Boston's Big Three, presented by Ride the Wave Media and sponsored by 1 in 100. And as always, we got to do our 1 in 100 read. 1 in 100 is the only online raffle website giving fans and experienced seekers the chance to win tickets to live sporting events, concerts, music festivals, and more. Whether it be from your desktop or mobile device, winning tickets to your favorite events has never been so easier and fun. Choose your desired event, purchase a raffle ticket into the draw, and you could be the lucky winner. And let me just tell you something. There's a Celtics and Rockets raffle that is going on tonight. Probably by the time you guys hear this, it will already be gone. But it's only $2.50 to enter. And the tickets to get into the game, which is tomorrow on Saturday, is $110 just to walk into the arena. So I don't get why you haven't even used 1-100 yet. I've used 1-100. Joe Stafford's used it. Ty Miller's used it. Everybody that we know has used it. But still, there's still raffles out there. So make sure you check it out. 1-100.co. We're here at the Babs Casting Couch again <laughs> in downtown Indianapolis. For those listening, we got the couch set up. We got a little chair. Got the Bud Latte cracked, the first one of the day. And um, we're it's day two for us at the Combine, even though this is probably like day five for most of these people that have been here. Yesterday, myself and Joe went out. It was day one. It was unique, Joe, because we didn't know what to really expect uh, in terms of going to the event. We went to the NFL Experience we ended up going inside Lucas Oil and got to watch the tight ends, wide receivers, QBs. We had tickets to the event in the terms of there's like an, an audience thing that you get. They allowed about 1,000 people in there to watch. But you had to quietly watch. They wouldn't let us film anything. Um, they were hawking people that were on their phones. I liked it because we were set up with a TV next to us. Uh, and then we were also like right in front of everything. It's cool to see like the 40s in person because you can see it on TV, but then you actually see it in person and see how fast these guys are. And also at the same time too, the TV is only showing you so much like when you're at home as a viewer. There's like quarterbacks and the wide receivers are working out and doing other drills on the other side. You can see some of the quarterback plays develop. You know, I'm an idiot because I wanted to grab the uh, <laughs> the combine. I got to grab I'll do it right hand you the microphone. It'll look stupid on this on this video that we're also recording here. But um, like I said to you, you know, I what I like about this trip is I'm not doing Spike King content. I'm kind of laid back. I think this trip's awesome for someone like you to be here. But it's awesome for someone like me because I actually get to see some of these players I've never seen before. And me as a casual fan, like I don't do all the stats and – and I'm not like the nerd of like, oh, this guy has this and this and that. But when I just see in the eye test and I'm seeing this guy has it, this guy has it. Now as we head to the draft in uh, April, and especially with the Patriots and the impending free agency with Tom Brady and all the other stuff they have to add, you kind of see some of these players and wow, like that guy would be a perfect fit for the Patriots. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I want to just know in general, not going into the actual combine itself, like run down the day. It's your first. It's your first time doing it too, and let everybody know at home and that's people that are listening. What did you think about your experience? 
Yeah, shout out to the city of Indianapolis. Uh, really cool place. Really flat. Was not expecting to be this flat. Uh, you look down the street, you can see about 30 miles down the uh, the boulevard, which is kind of weird to see coming from New England, all hilly and mountainy and stuff. Um, but the combat experience was great yesterday. Uh, we show up around 2 o'clock, I'd say, and we walk in. We, of course, we have no media passes or anything. We were a little bit late for that. We walk right, we walk right into the media pass uh, entrance anyway. No one uh, says anything. We walk right by the agents and stuff, and we start seeing guys. Uh, Connor Barwin, uh, old uh, outside linebacker for the Eagles. He's scouting for them now. He's, he's an executive in their front office. Uh, we keep walking. We see DeAndre Swift, the running back that's performing today in the combine, one of my, my top four to watch today that I posted earlier. Um, you're just around the stadium. You're around these guys, and it's just like a different feeling. You know what I mean? It's different than being on TV and seeing it on TV. This is this is real life, and this is we're really in it. It's more of a sense like we're here. This is an event. It's go time. And um, the NFL experience was great. There was some some cool features like Quentin Nelson's helmet was on display um, for the last season. They had the Super Bowl trophy there. Uh, all Super Bowl rings from uh, every Super Bowl was there. Uh, we didn't take a lot of look at that, but maybe today a little bit more. Uh, they had the bench press set up in there, and this is across the. Uh, the street from the stadium. This is in the convention center, the Indiana Convention Center. Um, and we walk over, uh, huge line to get in. We get in. We have priority access, but we don't know that because Babs is a moron. Uh, and we keep going. Um, we get into the stadium, um, and we wait about an hour to get in there uh, after we get into the stadium. Uh, this is their first time doing it, you can tell, because it's kind of mismanaged. They don't really know how the time is supposed to work out. But we get in there. We have great seats, uh, perfect seats to see the 40 and the uh, – and everything else, all the events. Um, definitely a good experience. Day two will be a little bit better because we know what we're expecting now. Um, more recording maybe. I think we can get away with some more recording stuff. They weren't super uh, super, you know, obnoxious about it. They weren't kicking people out or anything. Um, day one, success. Day two, even better. Yeah, I was actually going to say – I like handing off the microphone. <laughs> it just looks funny. Uh, I was actually going to say too, you know, this whole trip for Ride the Wave – it's it's funny. Um, yeah, we don't have the actual media credentials, and that's on me because by the time we didn't plan this trip out until ten days before the combine, so we were already three days behind on a lot of stuff. Um, but it's just kind of fun because I know next year when we come back to the combine, we're gonna do it bigger and better, like a whole make it more of a whole week. What I really liked is what you just kind of harped on was being able just to see the scouts walking around, seeing some of the former players just walking around. But this isn't a huge destination area for fans to come. And I thought it would be. I thought that's what they were trying to aim for. And after just doing day one, because this is a feel-out trip the entire time. We don't know what to expect every day. But the more we gain, the more we know where to go. We know who to see, what to do. And um, this isn't still for, like, the fans, I don't think. I thought that's what they were trying to aim for. And I really don't think it's going in that direction yet. It's going to take a couple years. But if you like football or even the sense of what we're doing at Ride the Wave, myself of just who I am and being that complete out of left field type of guy and you being the more structured, you're watching the combine, you're taking all your notes. Like I liked all your in-depth analysis yesterday. Um, it's, it's cool to be here for that. If you're somebody out there that's listening to us, I, well, I'm not competing against anybody. Ride the Wave is not a competition with all these other little media outlets that are out there. You're just trying to get a name for yourself. I think the Combine, if you come out here as even a single individual, you can cover the Combine and you can get inside access on certain things. You might not be breaking news or anything, but you'll definitely be meeting with scouts. You know, it's, it takes a certain individual like Joe was saying yesterday. He's like, should I go up to this guy? Should I go up to that guy? Like, and it all comes down to who you are. Sometimes you just, like me personally, 
I'll, I'll go to who I think you should go to, but you never know when you start a conversation what that could end up leading into. Um, and that's what you can get at the combine. I mean, what was great is now that quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, it's over. They're home. They're going home today. Um, so I will, uh, let's, we'll start with you and I will do it as a whole. Go down the list of what you saw from the tight ends to wide receivers to QBs, what you saw uh, in general. Just you can talk. It's free, free fall, free for all for you. And then I'll just go on what I saw because I'm not the in-depth guy here. You have it all. Like and and uh, if you want to give again a little shout out here, ride the wave media on Instagram. And you guys want to scroll back a little bit. Stafford's been putting up some of his uh, you know, little analysts of what you've seen over there at the combine. But go ahead, take it away. What did you see yesterday? What are these players? Give us the winners, your losers, and all that. Uh, we'll start with tight ends. Uh, they were the first vision group to go. Uh, very disappointed to see that Thaddeus Moss was not present. He actually fractured his foot, um, was not able to participate. There's about a six to eight week uh, recovery period on that. Uh, so best recovery. You know we're big fans here at Ride the Wave. So uh, it was disappointing not to see him uh, run the forty doing the other drills. But you know we moving on. Um, most impressive yesterday, I think. Josiah DeGuara, he was on nobody's list. He was probably top 15 at most at his position. And uh, he put the 25 reps uh, at the uh, bench press, most of his position group by far. Um, and then he runs the 40. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at this guy before he runs the 40, Babs, and I'm, I'm saying, this guy might run a five-second 40. This guy is, looks huge, blocking tight end primarily, not really expecting much. And then he comes out and runs a 4-6. A 4-6, that is receiver-like speed for a guy that put up 25 reps of 225. That is unbelievable. That guy just shot up my board tremendously. He is now in the top eight at my positional group. I'll, releasing, I'll be releasing those positional groups later in the week. Uh, but DeGuar, definitely got to keep your eye on. Um, he had a Cincinnati, Travis Kelsey territory. Um you know, his route running wasn't really impressive. Uh, he, needs, he needs some work, especially on the, the deep cuts, um, which are essential in the NFL now. Um, but uh, definitely got to keep your eye on is DeGuara. Um, moving on next, uh, Albert O. Albert, I'm going to pr- try to pronounce this, Nam. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce this dude's name, but this dude has burners. He ran a 4-4-9-40 as a tight end, which is absolutely ridiculous. That, that is ridiculous speed. That, that beats C.D. Lamb. He literally ran faster than C.D. Lamb, who was supposed to go top 10 in the NFL draft as a receiver. So he didn't really impress me a lot in the route running drills, but anytime a tight end runs sub 4-7, especially with that sub 4-7, uh, it's worth keeping your eye on. Um, best tight end yesterday uh, was clearly Cole Komet, and he's clearly the best tight end in the draft. As I said yesterday, not really big in this tight end class. Uh, Cole Komet, he's a, he's a good player. He's going to be a good starter for a long time in this league. Um, but I wouldn't draft him in the first round. I don't think any single tight end is worth taking in the first round this year. Uh, he might sneak in just for a uh, team needy team, like like team need, uh, but probably high second round as I, I would uh, grade him around there. Um, disappointment of the day, uh, Jared Pinckney, uh, senior out of Vandy. Uh, I was really high on this kid coming in. He, he was top four in my positional group. Um, and he comes out and just absolutely stinks up the combine. He ran almost a five-second 40, which is just horrendous. That's offensive line speed. You, you can't be a successful uh, tight end in the league if you're running five seconds, especially if you're not a blocker. And I've talked to a lot of guys uh, that have been around Vandy 
And Pinckney was a huge disappointment last season. He had, he had 20, 20 catches for like 300 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the year before, he had 700 yards and, and almost double-digit touchdowns, and he really regressed in that senior season. I just, I just need to go on, on top of the 40 situation. You, you sit at home, and you think that a 4-4 four, four and a 5, like, oh, it's like you know half a second. That half a second is so huge in terms of if you're actually watching it and it was cool where we were sitting above, you can tell the difference between you know the wide receivers and some of these tight ends and how slow they are and how fast they are. And not even that, it's once they start getting into their stride between the 20 and 40, you know who's just going to break away with that speed. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I just wanted to say how interesting it was. So for someone running a 5, like 5-second 40, like that is very slow. Yeah. Well, it's slow in terms of NFL standards. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, I'd say it's still fast for the average human being, obviously. Uh, but he's a professional athlete. That's what you're going up against. And five seconds is not fast. And Jared Pickney, I'm sorry. You're shooting down my draft board uh, after that performance. Sunk it up. Um, going into receivers, uh, I was disappointed by Jalen Rager at the 40. I was expecting him to run maybe even sub 4-4. He, he has burners on tape. Uh, great excel. He ended up running, I think, a four four six, maybe even a four five, um, which was disappointed for, disappointing for me. Um, he'll still go bottom first round, high second round, but I think a guy like Justin Jefferson, who I've been high on ever since before the combine, he had a great combine. He ran faster than anybody thought he would. Uh, I think he ran a four four six as well. Four four four. He ran a four four four, which is uh, really unbelievable. I would expect him to run four five something, maybe four five two, four five three, and he just blows everybody away. Uh, looked great in the positional drills. Uh, felt comfortable, um, and a lot of these guys, you have to realize, on field they have never you know played catch with these quarterbacks before. It's a whole different vibe. You have to get used to your passer, and that's why they have training camp in NFL season. You have to get used, to, and the timing is down, and everything has to be to be ready for the season. So these is just. Just just brand new for these guys, new connections, and he looked very comfortable with every single pass that he hooked up with. So Justin Jefferson, shooting up my board like I said he would. Um, I'm predicting him somewhere in the uh, the mid-20s right now. Um, Jerry Judy, I mean, I can't, I can't gush enough about this guy. Uh, Jerry Judy is probably the best receiving prospect in this draft, I think, and probably the best in, 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 in probably the past five years. Uh, he ran a 4.46, which was much faster than I thought he would run um, by, by a long shot because this guy's a route runner. He's a technician. He knows how to, to work the field, and he's very agilic in his steps and everything. But with that type of speed that he showed at the combine, if he can break in and out of his routes like that, he's going to be a problem for a long time. I had him penciled in my mock draft to Arizona at number 8. Uh, I still think it's a very high possibility. I think he just you know solidified himself as the best receiver in the class. I'm uh, not taking anything away from C.D. Lamb or uh, Henry Ruggs, but I will get to them later. Uh, Henry Ruggs, here we go. Henry Ruggs said earlier in the week he would break the 40-yard dash time. And I said bullshit. And I was right, like I normally am. Henry Ruggs did not break the record. He ran a 4-2-7 as his best time, which is unbelievable. Guys, I'm not taking anything away from Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is a fast kid. And this is not a John Raw situation. Henry Ruggs is going to be productive from day one. Day one. He may not be a 1,000-yard receiver first season, but he'll be a multiple-time pro bowler. This kid has elite speed, Tyreek Hill-type speed. Uh, but he just didn't break the record. <laughs> he just didn't do it. And, and that's going to be a, a drop on him uh, just because of how confident and how cocky he, he said it uh, during combine pressers. So, I mean, I, I don't really knock him down for that uh, in terms of my mock draft and everything, um, but it is worth noting he didn't break it. A lot, of these, uh, a lot of these small school guys, a guy from Liberty for me, Golden. Gandy Golden. 
out of Liberty. Huge kid. Reminds me a lot of Kenny Galladay. Um, a lot of the knocks on him coming out of school was he couldn't beat press coverage. He didn't see any press coverage, obviously, at the combine because there's no cornerbacks. There's no defense. Um, but what I saw were great natural hands, and I saw great body shielding skills, especially on the new goal line fade uh, combine uh you know, positional drill they're doing for the first time in a combine history, actually. Um, great shielding. He used his body in a very, very unique way. Great hands. Remind me a lot of Kenny Galladay, like I said. But when he was on the goal line, remind me a lot of Calvin Johnson. Um, the physicality's there. You can see it on tape, and he makes acrobatic catches all the time. It's just about beating that press coverage. That's the one thing he needs to work on. We didn't see that at the combine. Um, and that might drop his stock a little bit, but I still have him, you know, Fourth round is a good place for him. I think the Patriots will actually take a flyer on him if they're looking for a nice fourth or fifth option. Uh, if they don't get anybody in free agency, uh, CD Lamb looked great yesterday. Uh, nothing new. Was expecting him to run a four or five like he did. Um, you know, he's just a solid receiver. He's I think he's probably number two in the class uh, ahead of Rugs behind Judy. And uh, he's going to be a great receiver for a long time. I think the Jets is still the number one place for him to land. He's Batman. He's going to Gotham. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, actually, it's funny that you were talking about CeeDee Lamb and they had him in the background. we got NFL Network in the background. I'm kind of watching that. Unfortunately, yesterday, what they did was they had the wide receivers in two groups because there's a lot of them. And when the second group came out, we just saw their 40s and they kicked everybody out of the stadium. So we got to miss some of the uh, the plays that they got to do on the field. We missed the Odell Beckham-like catch um, from CD Lamb, and that kind of went out there. So he's already a highlight real machine, like just seeing something like that, and you're doing it at the Combine. Um you want that from me? That's absolutely fine. I'll have to get another one for myself. So me, again, like I'm just a casual fan. What I saw, I have only a couple notes out here uh, because Stafford hits everything on nail on the head when he talks. This It's pointless for me to even talk if you want to hear any of this stuff. But Mitchell Wilcox, Wilcox absolutely stinks. So for those who, who, who actually watch out there or you've seen the little goofball uh, highlight, Wilcox got hit square in the face. On that, what's that called when they were running down the line? Like, what's what's the I don't know what the drills called. The drills called. So pretty much in the drill, you start, you get thrown the ball on both sides. You get to turn around, and the quarterbacks are throwing from the left and right. You have to look, catch really quick, drop it. You have to stay straight on the line. There's there's a there's a name for it, I'm sure. Wilcox looked to the left by accident, then he looked to his right, and the ball hit him square in the face. He caught the next one, and then just dropped the last two, and you can tell how rowdy he was. And that made him rattled the entire time uh, for the rest of the drill. Um, I feel bad for the kid because I don't think he gets drafted after that. That was such a bad look, and you could just tell he was defeated off of that. Uh, in terms of receivers, I'm not going to get too much into it. I thought, you know, after listening to you again, this was very educational for me to be here. It's educational so I can see some of these future players. But from uh, what I have written down here in the notes is, uh, you know, Mooney, Darnell Mooney. He had a 4.38. He was one of the fastest times, I believe, other than Ruggs. And um, Claypool had uh 4.45. Justin Jefferson, a 4.44. And the whole Ruggs thing, too, was big mouth for him to say he's going to break a record, and he doesn't even do it. And you could tell how nervous he was because he had a false start on his first try. Um, you know, once he hit a 4. Point, I think it was 4.3, was – um. So what did he hit on the first one? Oh, he's a four point four point. So what he ended up hitting was um a four point two eight, I believe, on the yeah uh, on the final one. Okay. Well, no matter what, he didn't even get it, and he was so disappointed with that too. 
But hey, if you're gonna go out there, you gotta back it up at the same time. Um, but it's he's still fast as fuck. Like you just see that, and he's fast as fuck, and and he's obviously gonna land somewhere. Some team will pick him up. Uh, I just makes me think, like when you look at John Ross, like do you even look at him as the future wide receiver? In Stafford here is shaking his head no because I'm not gonna hand him the microphone. You're saying no. You don't look at him as like a future star wide receiver. Some of these drills don't really mean too much. I, I don't. I don't think so. Like the 40s really don't mean too too much. Um, I did like the drill with like the back fade touchdown. That was something. Yeah, yeah. That was something that was pretty cool. Um, I know you didn't talk about quarterbacks just yet, and I'll just dive into what my, I saw with my own two eyes. Um, I didn't like the kid from Princeton. You know, <laughs> we don't name this episode Babs versus Princeton because Babs the entire day would not shut up about how much he hates Kevin Davidson. Yeah, he Kevin hates Davidson. this kid. The, he goes up for the first throw, and I look over at him, and he's kind of looking disappointed. I'm like, Wait, what's wrong? He hasn't even thrown yet. He looks at me. He's like, I don't like his face. He's like, it's a Princeton face. I don't like his face. And you can tell automatically that Babs is rooting against this kid. Google his face. Just Google his face. Like Kevin da- Google him right now. I want you to Google him right now. Kevin Davidson. I don't even know who he was because, listen, he had to go up against, you know, some tough competition with Jalen Hurts and uh, Eason and Herbert. So he obviously isn't going to look good. That's just – you look at his face, and you're going to have to Google this yourself. It's a Princeton face. He's a douchebag face, dude. It just looks like – in the way he looked yesterday, he just carried himself like – I don't know. I just didn't like it. And then once I said that, he started actually looking pretty good on some of his deep balls. <laughs> but uh, I, I just wasn't a big fan of him. But uh, just going down the line, I think like my big winner, the huge winner, was Herbert, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Um, his his everything, just his mechanics, everything that you just see doing the eye test. I said this because um, I'm asking Stafford. I don't know any of the shit that's going on with Mox. Where where's he gonna land? Well, he's top ten. I said. He's going to go over Tua, and I think Tua not being at the combine and Tua not being able to show off some of his mechanics to these scouts could put Herbert over him because of Tua's injury history. I mean, Burrow's pretty much locked in number one. Who's going to be the second quarterback off the board? And I think Herbert actually has that. And um, just another one was uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, I know you're big. You're going to get into him in a little bit. His stock, in my mind, might have rised a little bit. But if you're projecting him to go to the third round, and again, if you want him on the Patriots, he's got to have to fall into the third round. He might be someone that's a fringe end of the second. We were going over some of those picks that are coming towards the second. It all depends on what happens at the top. It all depends on the team needs. Everything goes everywhere on draft day. You really, It's really hard to pre- predict what's going to happen. But Jalen looks, he was probably the second best guy there yesterday. Unfortunately, we get to see Love because they kicked us out. So we only got to see the 40s, and that was it for the, for that QB class there, um, or that group, I mean. But I looked at Hertz. He looked like this. He probably is the second or third best guy there in terms of the combine because I can't really say anything about love right now. Um, I say he goes over to a, and then um, Jacob Eason from Washington. His name's been tied up with the Patriots. His deep ball is absolutely crazy. Like the rainbow throw, right? So he had the rainbow throws. Like it was just, and it was on point every single time. I mean, that was the thing with Herbert with his throws too. They were on point pretty much 95% of the time. Um, And that's someone that now I look at him, Jacob Eason. I'm going to, as a Patriots fan, I'm going to start looking into him a little bit more too. I don't know where he's going to fall. You can get into that in a little bit, but he now becomes on my Patriots radar. So pretty much is, 
What did you see out of quarterbacks? Who did you like? Who didn't you like? And now more of a realistic of where can the Patriots grab someone or at home, what are some names that you truly should think of and get some of the other names out of your head because it's not going to happen with the New England Patriots. I know that was a great point about Tua uh, dropping his stock. I actually had him as a loser um, on my combine winners and losers on Ride the Wave Media's uh, Instagram account. Um, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at Herbert. I'm just saying, wow, this kid is really showing off his arm right now as Babs cracked in the brew number two <laughs> of the day. Um, and I'm looking at Herbert. I'm looking at the throws he's making downfield. I'm like, wow, this kid has an absolute rocket. At one point, I'm watching, and Babs is like taking notes on his phone or watching the TV or something. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm watching by myself, right? I see Herbert, it's the deep ball portion. They're just running a nine route, just straight up, just go route, right? Fly route. Herbert stays under center. He's never taken a snap under center, by the way, in college, his entire career. Zero. Zero under center snaps. Um, so Herbert takes the ball. That's his receiver. Give the cadence. And the receiver goes. And Herbert stays put. He doesn't move for at least two to three seconds. Then he starts to move, throws it, and then almost overthrows his guy. This kid's arm is light years ahead of almost every single guy in the draft besides Eason, but we'll get into him later. Um, the arm strength is there. The accuracy the accuracy is the problem with Herbert. I, he, he threw pretty accurate yesterday, but like a lot of guys are saying, he looks like he's trying to aim the ball. His mechanics are a little off, and it looks like he's trying to put it in a certain place. And, and any quarterback in the NFL will tell you, you have to go back there and rip it. You have to just throw the ball with confidence and not try to you know, overanalyze and think about the throw. He is literally aiming it every single time, especially on the out routes, and he struggled on the out routes. The out routes were his biggest weakness yesterday. And it was that was the weakness for Easton too. The big arm guys were not equipped to throw that, those those touch out routes, those touch those touch fades even towards the goal line. Um, definitely a level of improvement there needed, but definitely Herbert's stock is on the rise. I'm at the Chargers at I believe six right now, six or seven. Um, I don't think he gets over Tua just because of how dominant Tua was in college and because Tua's taken snaps under center before, uh, which is definitely just a plus for any offense, NFL run offense. Um, but Herbert definitely had a g- phenomenal day, probably the best quarterback I saw yesterday. Uh, going back into Eason, uh, Jacob Eason throws a beautiful f- football. Uh, like we said, a rainbow-style football. Uh, he just gets the ball in the air, and it's accurate almost every time downfield. Uh, in terms of Patriots, for both, I guess Herbert, we won't have a chance to draft Herbert anyway. Uh, but even in terms of Eason, um, the Patriots don't throw down the field. They don't. Um, for teams that want to throw down the field uh, that, are, that are towards the end of the first round, top of the second round, he's a great option. I think the kid has a lot of promise, a lot of potential, great upside. He throws a beautiful deep football. The Patriots don't throw downfield and don't have a lot of downfield weapons. So it does, it's not making a lot of sense. It's not like stacking up for the Patriots to draft Eason unless McDaniels wants to shift the entire offense. And that's an option, too, especially if Brady leaves. That is, that is an option to switch everything up and start a new era of football, offensive football in New England. Uh, but as of now, I don't really see the Patriots drafting Eason, especially what I saw on the out routes and intermediate routes. He was nothing special. Uh, Jake Fromm out of Georgia, I think, got exposed yesterday. Um... He didn't have a bad day. I don't think he had, I think he had a very average day. I think he made some good throws in spots. The thing is, his arm strength paled in comparison when you saw Eason and Herbert. He, uh, I believe, he followed Herbert on almost every single um, every single it's drill. Tough to follow that up. It's tough to follow that up because Herbert throws an absolutely beautiful downfield football, and then Fromm would throw almost ten yards less than him, and the receiver would have to actually stop running to catch about I'd say about half of the throws he made. 
uh, which is just a bad look on Fromm. I mean, it's good for West Coast offense stuff because he showed more accuracy on the intermediate routes and the out routes than, than Eason and Herbert did. Um, but at the end of the day, teams are still going to look at that arm strength as a weakness, and it's a limited to their offense because if you can't go downfield, you can't go downfield. They'll just stack the middle of the box. They'll play 46 defense, and then what can you do? Uh, Fromm was always a, a, an interesting prospect to scout, especially for me. Because he always had dominant running backs. Georgia's running back you. He always had a strong running game, a great play-action game, and it always opened up for him in the passing game. But now, in the NFL, that's not the case. It's a passing league. Maybe we see him go to a team, injury happens, he gets thrown into the fire early, and he burns because he can't throw downfield. And that's that's the real concern with Fromm. Um, I, I have a, a third-round grade on him, but I think he'll probably go in the second round just because of uh, QB needy teams. Um, but yeah, average day for Jake Fromm. Uh, my guy Jalen Hurts balled out yesterday. I know Babs wasn't wasn't completely sold. But he he thought he had a good day as well. Uh, but I was really sold on him. Um, if anything, you can't deny that he sold himself as an NFL quarterback yesterday. Uh, they were asking him to uh, compete at different positions uh, before the combine. He said no. That was the right call. He took the Lamar Jackson route and said, "I'm a quarterback. Let me do quarterback stuff." And he he performed very very well, especially on those out routes. He put it. This is the thing with out routes, too. I don't think a lot of people realize. You need to throw to the sideline and let the receiver go get it because those out routes are very dangerous for corners to just pick off and run. A lot of the quarterbacks here, especially Fromm and, um, and Hertz, did a great job of that. But Herbert and uh, Easton didn't. They threw the ball behind, and they had to turn around and then run off field with it. That's going to get picked off probably five out of ten times, and you can't do that as an NFL quarterback. Um, Hurt showed off his athleticism yesterday. Uh, he had one of the best broad jumps uh, at the combine for quarterbacks, ran a great 4-5. Uh, led all quarterbacks and quarterbacks, and uh, and he had a great day. You know, you know what? Uh, I'm just thinking here. Obviously, I'm not paying attention to you. Um, it makes me nervous, and I was just thinking in my mind. It makes me nervous, but then I talked myself out of it. You see some of these quarterbacks out there that are playing. Um, they're doing the combine, not playing, but they're the combine. You're seeing their drills, and then all of a sudden, it's like, damn, the Patriots have the 23rd overall pick. And then they don't pick again to a third. And it's like, what's going to be left over at quarterback? And this is in the terms of if Brady leaves. But not even if Brady leaves, you, they still need another guy with Stidham, you know, to develop. And you're looking at these guys, and it's just like, you know, like Jalen Hurts, like, you know, I'm not completely sold, but I am sold. Like, I wouldn't mind having him if he's there in the third round. It's like, you have to, you should take him. Like, just take him. Like, develop him. I do want him. But just because we want him doesn't mean it happens. And then it's just like, damn, it sucks because now the Patriots are going to not have anybody. But guess what? Tom Brady was a nobody technically in terms of what everybody else in the NFL didn't see. But that was also 20 years ago. And things have completely changed all around in terms of scouting, um, in terms of staff in the NFL, in terms of how the QB market has changed as well, too. So, um, you know, I look at a six. It's it's very rare that you'll ever get a six-round draft pick in that quarterback turns into a Tom Brady and does what Tom Brady does. I mean, that was the diamond in the rough. Speaking of uh, low-round quarterbacks or even undrafted, shout-out to Kurt Warner. We saw Kurt Warner yesterday at the uh, NFL Combat Experience, too, was doing a podcast with some Buffalo guys. Just really cool to see that those type of guys, uh, the NFL legends at, at the Combine. I'm sure Ty Law wasn't happy that we were there and saw <laughs> him. Uh, but regardless, still cool shout-out to Kurt Warner. Real quick. I, that, that story goes like this. That story with the Kurt Warner is that I went to the Rich Eisen show uh, Atlanta Super Bowl 53 
and Kurt Warner was, you know, getting filmed. And then when they went to commercial, they do a Q&A. So I raised my hand and I just asked about Ty Law because Ty Law was trying to get the bid in to go to the Hall of Fame. Isaac Bruce at the time was also another finalist. So I, I asked him about some of these, you know, guys like Isaac and Ty Law. Do you think they have a chance? They've been on the ballot for a bit. And Kurt Warner, like, shit all over Ty Law. And <laughs> he was like, that guy doesn't deserve to be in there, blah, blah, blah. He's just still salty about the pick six in Super Bowl thirty six. But anyways, I, I digress on that. So it, it is cool to be able to be here and see some of the legends out there. And you know what else I was actually going to add to that? Um, it was good that you brought that up, good transition, was as we're inside, you get a little headset. So during commercial breaks for the NFL, they'll have Reggie Wayne on the field, Colts legend. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? He just Did he make it in this year? No, probably never going to be a Hall of Famer. He's making a kind of a face where it's like, eh, I don't know. Anyways, it's good to have Reggie Wayne kind of give his insights. And something I took away from him just listening on that was uh, that just because the combine, you know, some of these players are running their certain 40s, they're running on an artificial turf. They might be used to natural grass or a different art, uh, different turf. He's like, this one has a little bit more give to it. He's talking about the lights up in the – and this was an interesting tidbit. The lights that are up in the stadium – and that in the corners of the stadium, there's extra lights. And that what Reggie Wayne had a problem when he was in Indy. Because that place was built in, in 08. That's when they opened up. So one of the problems he had was when he's looking up to look up to catch the ball, the lights would be shining right in his eyes. And you can't see. And he was talking about that's why players wear the eye black. That's why Spike King wears eye black because of the glaring light when he's outside. You know, when I lift up a Bud Light, the sun beams into my eye. And I might be it might hurt a little bit. That's why I got to wear the eye black. So... He talked about how they shut those lights off, and they're still shut off to this day. But he's just saying that you know, a lot of these guys are not acclimated to playing in Indianapolis in that dome. So you could take the combine for what it is, but he goes, the most important day is the pro day for these guys because then they have more of an intimate setting, I'm guessing, with the scouts and that they'll be there. Um, they don't have all this media attention on them like the way the NFL Network has it. So I think the pro day um, will be the big day for – and I wanted to actually tie that in with someone like Herbert because you're saying, you know, he, or, or um, Eason, like those guys can fix some of this stuff going into pro day and be like, wow, there was actually a little difference from what he did at the Combine to the pro day. Can you talk anything about like when, when is the pro days? Like do they have it set up? How does that all work out too? It depends on the conference and the school. Uh, they set up different pro days. Most of them are in early March. Um, I don't. I can't speak to when Eason and uh, Herbert specific pro days are, um, but they'll see a little bit of improvement. They'll emphasize those type of routes that they didn't throw great at the combine. Um, but still, teams know the strengths of these guys. Know the weaknesses. Yeah. That's that's at the end of the day, they see the tape. They understand in game what they're good at and what they need improvement on. Is Tua is is Tua doing a pro day? Tua will be doing it. This is a huge for Tua. Tua is doing a pro day. I think it's set for March 9th. I believe it's set for March 9th for uh, Alabama. Um, Tua needs to ball out. He needs to ball out just because just because of how great Justin Herbert performed at the combine, and he was not there to you know to balance it out and just to make it more of a conversation. Um, but I have a feeling that Tua will be performing very, very well. The medicals looked great coming out of the combine uh, yesterday. Uh, very hopeful, very uh, encouraging for the uh, young star. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him on tape and seeing him on the pro day. I, I wasn't paying attention. Did you talk about Thaddeus Moss at all? Like, I think him with the broken foot situation, um, if if the Patriots were to keep Brady, that, that helps out a lot. I feel like him having that broken foot doesn't increase or decrease 
Yeah, just just one more quick thought about Thaddeus Moss, actually. Uh, so I have him going in the third round right now. If his pro day does go well, he could sneak into the second. The thing is, this is this is a nightmare scenario for the Patriots just because of how many guys we have projected interest in in those uh, second, third, and fourth rounds. We have a lot of compensatory picks there towards the end of the round. If we want a guy like Hurts and Moss is still on the board, we're going to take Moss. So then Hurts might go to somebody else and lets me want to trade up again. And we don't have the capital or the players to trade to get more to get more, uh, to more picks. And it's just it's a scary situation, especially because of how many mid-round guys we've been linked to. I was going to say now that you even said the third-round picks, they're comp picks. It's the end of the round. It's like a fourth-round pick. I don't think a lot of people kind of put that into perspective of like, oh, the Pats have a second-round pick. You know, let's just they don't have one. But let's just say they did. It's like, yeah, but it's at the end of the second round, so it's more of a third-round pick. That's the way you got to think of the third round. It's like, yeah, they have three third rounds. Yeah, it's more like they have like five. They have one third round and like five fourth rounds because it's all towards that area. That's the that's some of the uh, thinking that you need to have when you go into the draft with some of these teams is the positioning of of where that pick is. Uh, and, and another thing along those lines, uh, the only the only time the end of a round matters is the end of the first round. That number thirty two pick, and a lot of you know, he's like, oh, it might be just like the first pick in the second round. But it's not because you have a fifth-year option guaranteed on top of that if you're a first-round draft pick. That's why number 32 and 31 are so often traded is because these teams want that extra fifth year to develop this talent. Because a lot of guys have first-round talent falling out of the first round. They just don't uh, have team need fit in that category. So a lot of teams I've already picked want to trade back up to get that extra fifth year. And it's worth it in the first round only. Okay, let's move on here. I think we covered everything in terms of what we saw yesterday. But today, today's running backs. I have no idea about anything for running backs. So you're not going to hear a single thing from me. So we're going to give it over to you in a second about what you end up seeing for running backs. We're also going to end up hitting up the bench press today with some of the defensive linemen. Just real quick, shout out to, uh, was it Michael Turk, the punter? Um, 25 reps. Yeah, 25 reps. He looked like a stud. If you're a D lineman and you don't get at least 26 reps up today, you are a loser. So we will see some of that today. We'll get some – we actually film that. We get some videos off of that. And then tomorrow, Saturday, is when we're going to actually see them inside the stadium, and that will end up being our last day. But um, Joe Staff – oh, speaking of Joe's, Joe Joe Burrow. You know, I, uh, I know it's a little disappointing going there yesterday and not getting able to see him because I want to see him. I mean, this guy is sex, bro. Like, this guy is the fucking king, king, king of kings. I am heavily rooting for Joe Burrow to be the next megastar of the NFL. It's, it sucks because I wanted that out of Baker Mayfield, and look what happens with him. I wanted that out of Johnny Menzel, looked at what happened to him. Um, I just look at Joe Burrow. He just looks oozing with confidence. They are literally comparing him to Tom Brady. And that's what they did yesterday on NFL Network is that they compared his mechanics. They One of the lists was swagger because <laughs> Tom Brady plays with a swagger. So does Joe Burrow. And I hope that um, I hope that works out for Joe. I, it looks like he go to Cincinnati. And not, everything's not too sure. You never know what ends up happening. Um, but they kept showing him on the sidelines everything. I don't know. It was, it's cool to see him in person. Joe Cool. Like that's who he is. 
it's all in the name. You know, you got guys like Joe Name with Joe Montana, Joe Stafford, the guys like Emily <laughs> Affle. Uh, you know, but he is Joe Cool. He's the next Joe Cool. He he drips confidence. He's dripping everywhere with that sauce he has, and it's just unbelievable to just just see him on the sideline and have that effect because you know he's the guy. You really do. He looks like the guy that because they said he crushed his interviews, and he looks like the guy that went into an interview. And they were just kind of like, why aren't you doing the combines? Like, why the fuck do I need to do that? I'm a national champion. But he says it the way he says it. It's not like arrogant. It's just swagger. Like, I don't need to do any of that stuff. I know what I fucking bring to the table. And I'm going to fucking put Cincinnati on my motherfucking back. And I'm going to get everybody. Like, he just seems like that. And he, and he backs it up with his play. So... I think he has his – pro. is he going to do his pro day? So he's agreeing yes in his pro day. So we'll see more about Joe, and maybe that's why, again, the Reggie Wayne thing. He's not acclimated to playing in Indianapolis and being set up in that stadium. He might be like, I don't want to be here because I know my stats aren't going to be where I want them to be because I'm not used to that field. Come come to my house. Come to my house, and I'll kind of show you what's going on. I'll be interested, too, to see if he wants to hold out. And let's just – let's play a game. I think I wanted to do this yesterday, and we, I don't think we did. Quick game. If you're Joe Burrow and you hold out or whatever and say, I ain't playing for Cincinnati, give me three landing spots that he could end up going into, Joe Burrow, and how that team can make that work. Does that make sense to you? Uh, so, one, Joe Burrow won't do this because he's not a bitch. He's not Eli Manning yeah. uh, or well, John Elway. It's a hypothetical game. Okay, I get it. Um, potential teams that Joe Burrow would go to uh, – in this case, um, if Tom Brady leaves, the New England Patriots. How would they do that? Uh, it would take a lot of draft capital. It would probably take the next 10 years of first-round picks. Um, and I, I wouldn't say it's likely. I don't really think it's likely at all that Cincinnati even considers trading the pick. There's no options on the table. I don't think it's worth playing this hypothetical game, to be honest with you, because it's just so far removed from reality. Joe Burrow is locked in at number one. Cincinnati is not trading this pick. I don't like that you don't want to play my games. That's like kind of upsetting. No, I don't want it. I'll give you teams. New Orleans Saints. They, you know, they say they end up moving on from Drew Brees, and then you know, they could end up trading the capital away. I mean, it looks like Cincinnati is going to draft him. But what if Burrow is just like, I don't want to play for you guys, and I'm not going to put any effort into what I'm doing. I know what I bring to the table. Him playing in New Orleans, that's his home now. Like you know, LSU. So. Just won a championship down there. So, I don't know. I mean, I was just trying to play a game, but. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I'll play a little bit. All right? Two teams. I'll give you two teams. Okay. Is that, okay. Is that all right? Yeah, fine. Here we go. The Washington Redskins. They're sitting at number two. Ron Rivera has been coy. And he's been saying, you know what? We're going to interview these guys. We're going to interview Tua Tagovailoa. We're going to interview Justin Herbert and everything. We're going to interview Joe Burrow. And I think they're actually going to they're interviewing him at the Combine uh, as we speak, maybe. Um. And they're sitting at number two. It wouldn't take an absolute ton if Burrow doesn't want to play in Cincinnati because it's number two. You'll move down one spot. So you're going to get somebody elite. You can get, still get Chase Young at number two. It would take probably a couple first-rounders, maybe a player, uh, maybe a guy like Trent Williams, who maybe is not committed long-term to the organization. Um, but I, if it was to be one team, it had to be somebody in that, that top five so they could still get some significant value back. Uh, one more team, maybe Miami. Maybe Miami takes a, takes a gander if Burrow really does not want to play in Cincinnati. And they look and say, hey, we're scared about Tua's injury history. We don't like Justin Herbert's inaccuracy, uh, especially in the intermediate routes. Uh, we want Joe Cool. What is he going to take to get him? 
and they trade maybe Xavier Howard and a couple first round picks, and they oh, get their yeah. franchise guy. That, that Miami, that Miami pick actually is good because it would be fun to see Joe Burrow playing in Miami, and uh, the new Dan Marino down there. But hopefully, he actually wins a ring, Joe Burrow. But I look at that as you can trade where they have the fifth pick, and then you could trade another first rounder on top of that. So Cincinnati ends up getting their two first round picks, and Cincinnati does have still a decent offense around them. It's not like it's a huge, huge loss. It would add, make added depth. Like they, Cincinnati should be exploring that as well too, of what we can add. But they don't want to lose too much. I get that. They don't want to be like, yeah, we'll get, we'll take the twentieth overall pick. Like they're gonna want top five, like a top five. So that way, they're guaranteed to still get their quarterback of the future. They still have to trade Andy Dalton too away, and then. It, it, no, he's not a free agent. He's not a free agent. No, they're not going to cut him. They talked about it yesterday. They just said that they're going to be talking with teams and they're going to try to trade him away because they want to trade him to a team. They're going to want to get something out of him. They're not going to cut him. We'll see. Okay, well, you're right about everything. This might be the first time I got something right. Can't get jerseys right. I can't get retirements <laughs> right. I can't get anything right. So I can't get my life right. But it is what it is. All right, running backs, dude. Talk about running backs today. We'll just do a quick recap here. We don't want to keep you guys too long, especially because this will probably be released uh, midway through the combine like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, so just one quick note before we get into running backs. Uh, defensive lineman, heed this warning. If you do not break 25 reps, we will boo you. We will seriously boo you. We will get up. We'll have the eye black on with the Patriots jersey on. We will boo you. Yeah. We'll say you suck because you do suck because a punter outbenched you. And you, he's 200 pounds lighter than you. So, yeah, uh, defensive linemen, beware. Um, the one guy I want to see today, Derek Brown, top five talent going top 10. Don't really know where yet. Maybe number four to the Giants if they keep the pick, which I seriously doubt they do. I will get into that later on a uh, article, uh, probably towards the end of the week. Uh, but Derek Brown out of Auburn, absolute monster can play a couple different positions of the defensive line. Um, He's just a dominant force, uh, both in the passing and rushing game. Uh, he can clog the middle, rush the passer. He's just too tough to block. Uh, so I want to see how many reps. My target goal for him is anything above 30. Um, if he reaches 30 and, and goes above that, uh, at least you know he's going 30 strong, uh, then I'll be happy with what he does there. Uh, going into running backs, um, DeAndre Swift. Uh, we actually uh, saw him yesterday uh, before the combine started. He was walking in. He was saying hi to his family, I think. Um, he is a phenomenal running back. He's top two of the position right now. I think he's number two, uh, or maybe number one. It, it's fluctuating between him and Dobbins right now at Ohio State. Um, interested to see what he runs. I think he'll probably be a 4-4. Uh, that's a great, that's a great number for him. Running backs don't have that elite speed that receivers do. They don't need to run 4-2. Um, but a nice 4-4, midway through 4-4 would be a great grade for him. For Dobbins, a little bit less speed is expected. I'm thinking a 4-5. Uh, Briggs 4-4, he's in the number one conversation for running backs, especially if he does on-field drills well. I'm um, looking for the agility drill, especially for him, to see if he can perform there. Got like Zach Moss out of Utah. Um, very, very productive guy uh, in college. Kind of a smaller size school uh, than most of the other guys we're used to. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up against these NFL-ready, you know, SEC-type guys. Um, but I think I have a lot of confidence in him. I think he might be a, a second to third, maybe even fourth round if he slips in this combine uh, type of guy. And I think he's worth taking for a lot of uh, running back needy teams. Um, those are probably the top three guys I want to keep my eye on today. Um, and I, I listed more, you know, in, in Instagram and everything. So take a look at that for more detailed breakdown. But those are the three guys I have my eyes on right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start wrapping this up right here. Uh the only thing I'm looking out for today, I got to give a little shout out here to Fuck Pinky. 
That's actually his Instagram. Fuck Pinky. Great guy. I actually met him down in Miami uh, this past year. He told me Levante Bellamy is supposedly going to run a 4-2. That's what his uh, his Bellamy's trainer told Fuck Pinky. So that's now I'm going to be eyeing that. And he'll be one of the first guys to go because of his name starts with B. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. So, you know, maybe maybe he ends up Maybe he runs a 4.2-something. Maybe he doesn't break it. Doesn't say he's breaking it, but he's running a 4.2. Maybe he does better than Ruggs. So it's funny to have all that attention on Ruggs, and all of a sudden this guy comes in and ends up doing that. So, Because I, I, I haven't heard any of this, and you and I asked you about it, and you're kind of like, I, don't, I haven't heard anything. So just who says Ride the Wave doesn't have inside sources? <laughs> I know. we have ins- You are our source. If you're listening, you just come and say something. You're our source because everyone goes out and says, I have sources. I have sources. Fuck a- Hey, what's your source? Fuck Pinky. Like, like, like I can go out to the to the combine today and like, oh, you have some inside sources. Like, what name? What his name's Fuck Pinky. You know, it's just like what? You know, um, you know. I want to get in real quick. Uh, I have questions. They're very very short. We're gonna. I'm just gonna not even hand you the mic. I might just, you know, put it in your face. Um, this is from contemplate Duffmore. A lot of these people are the same ones that write every single time. I hope you guys are listening as well too because um, you're probably just writing the questions. That's it. What do you think is the most useless drill at the Combine, Stafford? Most useless drill at the Combine? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'll probably say the broad jump. Uh, it's cool to see how these guys can jump from static to, to a, a certain place. Um, but you're never really jumping if you're stopped somewhere, unless you're Terrence Newman getting absolutely blown up by Mike Evans on a block. Google that. It's actually unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, I'd say a broad jump just because no one's stopped just to jump. You know, you're running and you're jumping. No one's just, just going to stop and then try to jump 10 feet in, in front of you. You know what I mean? So it's just it's the broad jump probably, I'd say. Um, broad jump is what he says, and I'll just agree with him just to agree with him. You know, Matthias Takis, 12 chances of us taking Hurts this year and your plans for him if we indeed draft the former Bama Suna um, player. I mean, we just kind of went over it already about Hurts and where he ended up might being positioned. I do want him. I hope he's there. It all falls on Brady. He's the, such the biggest domino. That guy literally owns the NFL, and they said that again yesterday. Rich Eisen talked about it and said, it's unbelievable the Brady decision changes the entire landscape of the NFL. Even if he stays in New England, it still changes the landscape because all these teams are prepping for what Brady will end up going and how they draft and who they get in free agency. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and we're going to have more about that later today as well too. Check out Spike King on Twitter, SpikeKing76. Um, Ashwin, Prasad, any chance Pats go back-to-back wide receivers in round one, I mean, they don't. They only have one pick in the first round, and it's twenty-three, and there's no chance that they're gonna go back-to-back wide receivers uh, ever. Like, like doing that. I think Nikhil Harry's gonna be probably the only person that's ever drafted in the first round for a wide receiver for the Patriots in the next, like, staying at that for the next ten years. That was a head-scratching question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. Two other things. This is kind of funny. CKEO80, the one who won the jersey. You know, we did a little jersey giveaway. He won a Jason Tatum jersey. That's what he ended up picking, I believe. Um, He goes, not a question, but wanted to apologize if Tyler was annoyed that I got his name wrong. So, uh, Tyler Miller, if you're listening out there, you got your former apology. He's not listening, no. 
He's a loser. He, you know, Tyler Miller, if you are listening, though, you got your former apology. You got your former apology. Yeah, I don't know why he's apology. Tyler Miller gets everyone's name wrong. Tyler Miller's a big head. Tyler Miller has been a bully lately as well, too, on these podcasts. The next time that I get him on there, because I listened to the last one, and it actually didn't come out terrible. That's when that computer froze and everything. Um, he was just bullying me. He's trying to body bag me all the time. I give Tyler Miller an opportunity here at Ride the Wave. I put him out there. I'm making him a somebody. I'm putting him in households. I'm putting him on smartphones, and he has to treat me like that. Last one does come from Tyler Miller, though, this question, and it's for you. How's it being Babs's roommate? You know, I was thinking about this for a while. I was contemplating it while Babs is snoring next to me. And I'm saying, guys, it's not that bad. Come on. He's getting a bad rap. Tyler is being a bully on this this, this thing. Um, you know, the beds aren't looking too great right now, I have to say. They aren't made or anything, but that's on me too. Uh, no, it's been great. I mean, we've been, we've been going to sleep pretty much right after we get back, uh, from the restaurant or bar we go to the night before and, uh, you know, go to sleep. He wakes up early, doesn't wake me up, doesn't bother me. Uh, we're on the, you know, same schedule. We go to the gym, you know, everything. And it's working out great. It's a great trip so far. So yeah, Tyler, come on. I mean, yeah. I mean, the only thing is you have to just watch me walk around in my boxers once in a while. And that might not be the eyes, <laughs> your eyes. You might have to get a little bleach and put that in your eyes. And, and uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm comfortable in my body in certain ways. But, uh, I mean, you know, I don't bother you. I do my own thing. My bed is a mess. I don't care about that. That's what my bed looks like at home right now. <laughs> it's just it's – just, they actually said making your bed actually causes more dust to get in your bed and all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know – I'm not. I'm not a bad guy, you know. I'm. I'm nice. I'm respectful of boundaries, is what you have to be doing. So, Tyler Mill is just a jerk. If I happen to be in a position where, you know, I, and speaking of roommates, you know, I've gone on trips with like Dito and Lane and Rune Dog and all this. I've slept on the floor before, dude. Like I, how am I stacking up with those guys as a roommate right now? <sighs> on spot about that one. Um. I like Dito. Dito was good. Like, it just again, you just mind each other's businesses because you're sharing a room for a couple of days. Lane and Rune Dog weren't. I don't think I've had a terrible roommate in the past. T Guns like has been fine too. I think no one really bothers each other. No one like wakes each other up. I just feel like uh, I think I put you all on an even playing field i can't really pick a favorite on that i yeah i mean after the podcast i'll probably be like yeah you're actually the best one like i'm just gonna let you know but nah, it's honestly it's not a big deal i haven't had and i'm making i'm trying to think of like in the past of just traveling around being in hotels and sleeping in different areas i mean dude i remember a time where me grd uh pat so me grd a guy that uh i know pat farrell and Corey's cousin all went to the Sixers Celtics game, uh, Cinco de Mayo game, where they did the confetti. It was game three. And we had, I booked, I don't think I booked the hotel because I always book cheap places and shit like that. I don't care where I stay, just need a bed. That's it. Um, I think GRD booked it and it was, it was great location. The shittiest hotel, one of the shittiest hotels I've ever stayed in, like a cockroach hotel type of place. We had one bed for four guys. So it was, I slept on the floor. I didn't sleep on the floor that night, and that's a story that I will never get into. Then people can probably piece those things together because uh, that started a whole thing for – that's no, there's no stop, and that started a whole thing 
the thing for a Babs back in the day. That's funny. But uh, I didn't have to sleep on the floor that night. I can tell you that. And I'm glad I didn't sleep on the floor because there was fucking cigarette burns and it smelled gross. It was disgusting. I was probably, I've done some probably good things in my life that landed me to not sleep at that hotel. But that was one of the shittiest hotels I've ever, I've ever seen. So that would have been rough. And I think I was, I was, I was saved that night. I was blessed that night. So and that wraps up this episode of Bab Storytime from the casting couch. All right, uh, we'll see you guys later. Uh, tune in for tomorrow, and we'll recap the day we're about to have today, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Yeah, check you guys out. Check out RideTheWaveMedia.com. Check out our Instagram, RideTheWaveMedia. All the breakdowns from Joe Stafford. You guys take care.